1: we
2: Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. My name is Brian Driscoll. I'm the publisher of irishbreakdown.com, and I am joined today by Vince DiDario. I'm not going to give him any silly nicknames or titles because I'm not nearly as clever as he is, <laughs> uh, but I am hosting today's uh, Irish Breakdown Podcast, and we are going to jump right into this, Vince, because I am very excited uh, to really start talking about the Notre Dame 2021 team. And today is a great day to start talking about that because the players are all back on campus now, and That's the right. early enrollees are showing up on campus officially today. So we're gonna really start diving into uh, among many other topics because we're we've got a lot of things to talk about. The draft, recruiting, and then of course the 2021 team. You got spring balls a, a little over a month away. Yeah, no a doubt. very exciting time. Like I said, there's no offseason for us. And so what I want to kick things off really diving into 2021 is talking about potential breakout players. And you see this every year. You know, you talk about guys that teams lose to the NFL and they're simply stepped up and replaced. You know, they lose Chase Claypool, second round pick, ends up being an all rookie guy. And Javon McKinley steps into the spotlight. Cole Komet leaves for the NFL, second round pick, first tight end taken in the NFL draft last year. And Michael Mayer steps into the spotlight. And of course, we've talked about how every left tackle that Brian Kelly has had has been a first round draft pick. Well, he's had to be replaced by somebody else. So you always see these breakout players every year. And there's two types of breakout players. And we're going to talk about them. And we're going to give our thoughts on it. And we were relatively close on these. But a breakout player can be one of two things. It can be an already established player that goes from being a good player to a great player or it can be a guy that was a rotation player that becomes a standout or it can be a guy that really didn't get a chance to play a whole lot the year before who now we think is going to get a chance and he's going to step into the spotlight and shine. So Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. all types of different ways we can take this and I think that's what makes it a little bit more fun. Yeah. So Vince, let's dive right in. Let's uh let's kick things off with talking about who you project as the number one player that you think is going to break out for Notre Dame as we head into the 2021 season.
1: Well, it's funny that you mentioned the three different ways that you could be a breakout player. Um, I prob- I have four guys on my list, and I would say that three of them all are in each one, of the- like one in each category, right? So uh, I've got an established starter who I think is going to break out, I've got a rotation kid who I think is going to be a solid starter, you know, for this year. And then I've got somebody who didn't play at all, and who I think is going to contribute uh, in a big way. So uh, it's funny that you mentioned that, and I've got I've got that represented all down my list. So, um, so my number one guy is. Um, it falls under the category of starter who is going to be a breakout type player. He's going to be he's going to be on the radar for a lot of, of national recognition, um, and, and that's Jarrett Patterson. And and we we've talked about Jarrett Patterson a lot, and how where he ends up on this offensive line will dictate what the rest of the offensive line basically looks like moving forward. Um, you know, he he is versatile enough to play all five positions on the offensive line. I think you and I both believe that he needs to be at left tackle uh, moving into next year, uh, moving into the 21 season and, and beyond. Uh, I think that's where he can maximize his talent and his resume the most. Look, he did a great job at center and you could tell because Notre Dame was the best offensive line in the country while he was at center. Mm-hmm. And then when he went down with that injury, I, I think that that's really, they didn't break down, but they, mm-hmm. they, they, kind of took
2: they clearly weren't as good as they were before
1: they took a step back right Right. i mean and that that says a lot about what Jarrett patterson brings to the table at that position um i think you know his future at notre dame is at tackle like we've said a bunch of times and i think that's where he's going to end up and if he ends up at left tackle he's going to fall in line with the rest of the left tackles at notre dame who are Mm -hmm. all those first round draft picks and uh you know boy the sky's the limit for their potential and when Notre Dame puts somebody at left tackle that means they're the dude and mm-hmm. and I think Jared Patterson can be the dude. I, I really do. He's got the fundamentals. He's got the mental um breakdown if you will uh for that position. He was a le- he was a leader on that offensive line at center without being a captain. Mm-hmm. Um and that was and we that's we'll talk about that. that's by what captains. I'm saying. Yes, that's that's what we were told when he went down. He's like, "Uh, the captain of our line is gone." Uh, even mm-hmm. though he doesn't have a seat. No, wait wait a minute,
2: you're you're a captain. Look, well, you no, you don't right. understand.
1: Right. So I, I think he's got the the mentality to be that position and be the mm-hmm. guy uh, on that line. So my number one guy is Jared Patterson.
2: It would be easy for me to say, well, you know, let's hold off and see what position he's going to play first. But honestly, Vince, it doesn't matter. Right. I, I mean, I, to your point, he this is a guy that can play all five positions. Uh, I I think he's a guy that if he projects and continues to develop the next year or two the way that I think he can is a guy that I do view as being a potential first round pick. Uh, And he's kind of a hybrid to me of Robert Haynesy and Zach Martin, you know, a guy that that has the body to certainly thrive at tackle in college, athleticism to thrive at tackle in college, but probably projects more as an interior player at the NFL. And I think he's going to benefit from the fact that he will if he does move. And I think he will. He'll be a guy that starts at multiple positions and plays them at a high level. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that, that, you know, to your point that, that, that would it shock me if he's an underclass captain this year An underclass meaning eligibility wise, I mean, he's going right. to be a senior in college, but, right. uh, eligibility wise, he'll be an underclassman. No, I wouldn't shock me if he's the next two time captain that Notre Dame has. We've seen that before. And I think sure. it'll happen again with him. Uh, assuming he comes back for a fifth year in <laughs> 2022, which isn't a given. No, it's not. Um, but uh, you know he's he's gonna he's gonna have to there's gonna be a lot put on his shoulders this year not just from a how he plays standpoint but uh, you, you know you talked about him being a captain for Notre Dame last year on the field well that's where it was limited to was on the field because you know it was Robert Hanesy and Liam Meikenberg and Tommy Kramer's team and I think Jarrett did a great job of. And this can be hard for a younger player. And that's what I think makes his taking charge on the field so impressive is because it would have been very easy for him to relent to guys like Hainsey and Eichenberg and and Kramer. But the level of respect that he had for them to allow them to be captains off the field, but then the level of respect they had for him to allow him to be the captain on the field uh, says a lot about the relationship of that group, but then also how they viewed him. Uh, right. and, and I think now he's going to have to kind of serve both of those roles now in 2021, because he is the elder statesman essentially from a experience standpoint, Josh Lug is a, a year older in, in, the in eligibility wise, but you know, he's the most experienced player from a starting standpoint. And he's now right. going to have to kind of take that leadership mantle, uh, on and off the field in the, in the weight room, in the film room, in the classroom, setting that example for everybody. Cause not only are they losing four stars in the offensive line, but they're losing their quarterback too.
1: Yeah. yeah. So he
2: is going to become a focal point of this team. And I think the fact that he's going to move from center to left tackle, if that's what in fact happens, which I think it should, I haven't heard, we haven't heard either way, he's going to do it. But I think that's also going to help anoint some, or not anoint, but uh, garner some attention from a national standpoint of, Oh, you know, this returning guy is moving to left tackle and, you know, is he going to be the next great tackle? So I think all those things are going to fall into place to allow, Jared Patterson to be a breakout and be a star offensive lineman for Notre Dame and the guy that people are pointing to of this is the guy that's going to continue the tradition that that has been set really since Harry Heastan arrived uh, about when you're the best offensive lineman in Notre Dame it's almost going to guarantee that when you leave you're going to be a first round draft pick which is yep. what we've seen for years yep and I think that'll continue with Liam Eikenberg this year at worst he's going to be a second round pick and we saw Robert Hainsey play great in the in uh, the senior bowl. We saw Aaron Banks you know, have a great week. So the tradition will continue with Jarrett Patterson on the offensive line. Now, as we transition into the next player, Vince, now we're kind of getting away from the established player at Notre Dame. And we're diving now more into guys that we are offering some projection. It's not a bold statement to say that Jarrett Patterson, who is one of the best centers in the country, is now going to become one of the very best players uh, in the country, especially for Notre Dame. That's not exactly a bold prediction. I think these next few are going to be a little bit more, okay, there's some risk involved. And and uh, and your number two guy uh, is – we, we start kind of getting in that category. So who yes. is your second breakout player for Notre Dame offense in 2021? So, so my second guy
1: absolutely falls into the category of somebody who got no playing time last year. And so, you know, I'm projecting – that obviously he's going to be on the field in the rotation uh, at the very least, if not a starter, uh, depending on how things shake out. You know, if if Brian Kelly, you know, subscribes to our podcast and he changes his philosophy, she doesn't. Uh, this <laughs> <laughs> this this one will be a definite uh, breakout player, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, I we'll see how that works out. But mm-hmm. um, my second breakout player is sophomore wide receiver Xavier Watts, and. I realize that uh, you know he's not the most heralded uh, wide receiver, even in that class. Um, but the one I, I I know you ranked him high. You know, <laughs> I see that look on your face. I'm, I'm talking about everybody else. Um, I remember sitting next to you at that one spring practice that we got to see because he was an early enrollee, mm-hmm. and he was wearing like 21 mm-hmm. or something. He was in the 20s. Yeah. I want to say. I want to say it was 21. That was my number in high school. So I remember that. But anyway, um, perfect. (laughs) Hey, wide receiver at 21. That's cool. Uh, Anyway, so I remember watching 21 run around and just really dominating the practice. Mm -hmm. And and, and then again, yeah, he was a step ahead of everybody. He didn't look like a guy who was still supposed to be a senior in high school. Um, He jumped out at me uh, Mm -hmm. in person. And then we move into the season and we're getting all these reports about him and, and, and Jordan Johnson, uh, but how the two of them were just dominating uh, when they would uh, play against the first-team defense. Uh, you know, they were making things happen. They were making plays and how the defense hated going against those two guys, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I just think he's a game-changing kind of guy. I think that if they keep him off the field again this year, it is going to be a tragedy of mm-hmm. football proportions. Um, I, I just if he gets an opportunity, I think he's going to become a household name for Notre Dame fans. And Mm -hmm. I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, in the Heisman talk or anything like that. What I'm saying is he's going to be somebody that we're talking about Mm -hmm. from a week to week basis on how to get him the football, what he just did last week, you know, things of that nature. I think he's going to be, uh, you know, in that conversation for, for somebody that, that is uh, an integral part of this offense moving forward.
2: Well, he certainly needs to be. And, and that's the thing is my only hesitation with doubling down on this and is just whether or not he's gonna get the opportunity. Exactly. You know, and and Agreed. that's the thing is, you know, because there are veteran players that are it's gonna be very yeah. easy for Brian Kelly and, and Tommy Reese and Dell cool. Alexander to say, Well, you know, we have Joe Wilkins and we have Kevin Austin and Braden Lindsey, and Brayden Lindsey and Kevin Austin are not in this con- are not gonna be in this conversation simply because their injury history. I mean, exactly. they have to prove that they can stay healthy first. Now, if they prove they can stay healthy, then they fault up to the top of our list. Yes. Right? No question. But, you know, but those are guys we've talked about in the past before, and, and those are guys that, look, I don't even know if Kevin Austin's going to be able to go through spring ball because right. of because of uh, you know his foot injury. And I don't know where Braden Lindsay's at with this right. whole thing. So, so. You know, I need they need to prove to me they can stay on the field. If they do, then it's, you know, we're, we may have a different conversation. Sure. But sure. to me, even if those guys step up, Xavier Watson, Jordan Johnson are talented enough where they should play next year. There's no excuse. There's no excuse on the planet for why these guys shouldn't play next year. And, you know, to your point, say, well, you know, you're not at practice. No, we're not at practice. But I've talked to at least 12 to 13 people that either are at practice or have people that are at practice. And it's the same story. And the thing is, is I'd say of the I've probably talked to a dozen people about Xavier Watts and Jordan Johnson and more so Xavier Watts. But. It's the same, and I'd say maybe seventy five percent of them were were people that just gave me their opinion without me even asking about it. That I, I just oh, you right. say the guy that my kid said they just hated going against in practice was was this guy, you know? And then you talked, oh man, we 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 love Xavier Watts; he's going to be so good. That kind of thing you hear that all the time, and you hear it about Jordan Johnson as well. I mean, you hear about both of them. And they just – they need to get that opportunity. And that's yeah. my only hesitation for just jumping on board and saying, Vince, you nailed this one, is just – I w- we saw last year, sometimes it doesn't matter how you practice. Yeah, you exactly. know, it, it just You're not going to get that chance because you, for whatever traits, reason, or excuse or experience yeah, reason they're going to yeah. give. But if the coaching staff kind of gets out of their own way and says, we're just going to get the best players in the field – I could see Xavier Watts going from no catches to 30 or 40 this year. Exactly. And, and, and being a compliment to, you know, I wrote a, a breakout player article at irishbreakdown.com and, and I said, look, I'm not talking about freshmen. I'm not, you know, rising sophomores. I'm not talking about guys that didn't play. I'm, I was basically trying to focus on guys who had played. And so I went with Avery Davis. And I think Avery Davis is a guy that's got a chance to have a breakout year this year. Sure. But the nice thing about Xavier is Xavier can sp- not only spell. Uh, Avery Davis in the slot, but Xavier can play outside too. I mean, there's no reason not to have them both.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: He's a strong kid. He's not a very big kid. But he's a very strong kid which is why Clark Lee wanted him so bad on defense. Yeah. Right. And I also think another part of the breakout to Vince is if he gets that opportunity on offense, then I think he's also going to get an opportunity on special teams. And that's where I think you could really see him make an impact, uh, you know, and, and force his way up the receiver depth chart because he's going to be so valuable sure. on special teams. It's like, Hey, you need to find a role for him on, on offense because I need him to be traveling every week on, on special teams. Yeah. Right. This could be how that conversation goes. So, Uh, I could certainly certainly see one of those at least one of those two rising sophomores stepping up and and being that guy at, at wide receiver. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Up next in our 2021 offensive breakout player discussion, Vince, we are going to go back to the offensive line. So who is your third breakout player for the Notre Dame offense heading into 2021?
1: So this player, you could say he was a rotation player, but he wasn't really a rotation player. He was a two deep player uh, who had to jump in uh, when there was an injury. And when he did, before he got injured, um, I thought that he played, you know, very, very, very well. Uh, And that's Zeke Corral at center. And I think uh, since you and I both believe that Jared Patterson will be moving out of the center position over to left tackle at the very least to to guard, um, that, that, the staff should feel very comfortable with Zeke Carell taking over the center position. And, uh, you know, he's a top hundred player. I do believe uh, coming in. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody was worried when Jared Patterson went down as to who was going to take his place. And you and I were like, well, pump the brakes. Like <laughs> Zeke Corral a pretty darn good player, even though we haven't had a chance to see him on the field yet. Right. And you saw the first game uh, that he took over there wasn't there was a little bit of a uh, you know a step back without Jerry. is Hatred. gonna happen
2: when one of the three Absolutely. or four best centers in the entire country isn't playing.
1: Absolutely. And but there was continuity, there was no bad snaps. Yeah, um, it, it was a good situation. And then of course he went out and Josh Lug went in. And Josh Lugg's not a center. So I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not knocking Josh Lug, he's a six-seven dude. You don't see a lot of those guys at center. Um, and then what so there was some issues, and then when Zeke Corral went back in. No more issues. Mm -hmm. So um, I think he's poised and ready to take over that spot. Uh, I think that even though he'll be a first-year starter from a full-time standpoint, he is going to be one of those guys that you can count on starting in game one. I mean, you're going to have Josh Lug, you're going to have Jared Patterson, and not far behind those two guys is going to be Zeke Corral. He's a guy that I am not worried about moving forward. I'm actually excited to see what he brings to the table. So he falls under that category of kind of a rotation guy, that is going to be a solid starter moving forward. And then he could eventually end up taking that next step as well. Mm-hmm. But for 21, I, I see him as just that solid guy we're not going to talk about very often because of how solid he's playing. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, that's what you want from an offensive lineman. Um, I, I see him being that guy in that, in that
2: role. I think from a talent standpoint, you're spot on. And I, and I wrote about Zeke in my my the the breakout article that I had for our because the talent's there I mean we saw it I mean e- even in even in some of the struggles he had at times against Alabama it was against Christian Barmore who's an elite right. player and it was one of those things where you're like he's younger he's going to have another year in the weight room and they were kind of experiential technical things that can sure. be, be cleaned up you know not quite reacting to things as he was a little late he,
1: getting over on yeah, a double team one time right and which like is like going to
2: happen for a guy that has so little experience i think those things are going to get worked out because yeah. of all the reps he's going to get this spring and in fall camp and that's Absolutely. the ideal thing the only hesitation i have about zeke correll being that breakout player is just health you know, he's got to prove he can stay healthy. I mean, you know, again, the reason he didn't stay at centers because he got hurt. Yeah, right? yeah. And I've heard he's had a couple things happen during his first couple of years that he would miss a week here, miss a few practices there. So, you know, he has to be healthy because you have to have a center that's dependable. I mean, you, you can't, you can't go through where you're having to rotate your center two, three times a year because the other guy just keeps getting banged up. I mean, that's just a, that's a tough situation to be in, but, if he can stay healthy and stay on the field, I think Zeke Correll could be an outstanding player. And look, he's going to be a year older in, in, in a year extra in the system, uh, stepping into the starting lineup than Jared Patterson was. Zeke's going to be a redshirt sophomore. Jared Patterson stepped into the lineup as a redshirt freshman. You know, he, he, even though the opportunities were limited prior to him stepping in the starting lineup, he's a talented player and he's going to now be in his third yeah. year. So I think that's going to help him add the size that he needed to add and the strength that he needed to add. And I could definitely see him, if healthy, having a breakout year. I mean, he's a very talented blocker. Another guy I wanted to ask you before we move on to your fourth guy, I wanted to ask you about this one, Vince, because this was, this was a tough one that I thought long and hard about was, and that's Josh Lug. You know, yeah. I think, yeah, I think, yeah, you know, he started five games as a, as a red shirt sophomore in 2008, 19 in place of Robert Hansey. This year, I don't think he looked as good as he did in 2019 because I don't think he was playing the position he's most comfortable at, which is sure. right tackle. Um, and, and even I thought he did well at guard against North Carolina for the most part. He was kind of up and down. He had some solid moments there. He was a little up and down. But, you know, to me, he's a guy that if if they can find a home for him and let him stay at one spot, and I think tackles probably where he's most comfortable – He's a guy that I could see as being a bit of a breakout as well. Maybe not from a – the reason I hesitate to put him on the same level as Jarrett Patterson and Zeke Corral is because I don't know if he'll get the attention because he is a veteran player. Right. But I could see him doing quite well at right tackle if they leave him out there and being a guy that maybe isn't a breakout because he's not going to get that that hype of you know great player. But a guy that you look at and say, boy, he was just really steadily did his job all year. And and, and what are your thoughts about did Josh Lug kind of come up in this conversation at all for you as you were kind of thinking about alignment to put into this con- in, into this this breakdown?
1: Well, he did. And I think the reason that I shied away from him a little bit is because he is already that veteran. Uh, we know kind of what Josh Lugg is and who mm-hmm. he is. Um, you're right. He didn't get. He wasn't put in a great position this year, having to go into center. Um, mm-hmm. and, and guard really isn't his spot either. Now, he does a decent job at guard, don't get me wrong, but when he was at tackle, that's when he really yeah. was able to That's excel. where he was
2: most comfortable. I think yeah. he could be a really good guard if given the opportunity to stay there. Sure. You know, he's practicing at tackle, and then they throw him in at guard when right, right. they need him. So, I mean, look,
1: he's the sixth man yeah. of the year award. I mean, he's, he's the guy that you can count on, that you know you're going to get good reps from no matter right. where you put him. Uh, but I, I think that his future is as a tackle uh, mm-hmm. just based on his size and his measurements and things of that nature. Um, I, I I think he falls under the category that I kind of described for for Zeke Corral, a rotational guy, uh, a guy that you kind of know what you're going to get, and then once he's in the starting lineup, he's going to be that solid starter, maybe not somebody we're talking about a bunch, but a guy that you're going to be able to count on. Um, you know, week in and week out. And, and I think that that's a spot that Josh Lugg could take. I just – I maybe it's just because he's been around for so long. Like, we've been talking about Josh Lugg for three years, you know, but he's never been that day one starter. So, technically, he falls into this category. It's mm-hmm. just – I guess I kind of – Mentally dismissed him he's because he's
2: going to be a fifth year senior, right? He's been around forever, mm-hmm. man. Yeah, exactly. And he has played. I mean, he's played he a lot. So it's yeah. kind of like, yeah, if, you know, he's kind of already established. There's also a, a thought of maybe he's already established a little bit to a degree because of how well he played in 2019, you sure. know, in those five games when Robert Haynes got hurt. He's established in a good way.
1: Like, we don't have, yeah. it's not like we're thinking about him um kind of like a, a Javon McKinley going yeah. into last year. Like, oh, well, yeah. he, you know, he does great against those Mac teams, but right. know, what's he going to do in the big games? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like we know think, he can play.
2: Yeah, I, but I do think there is actually a little bit of something to that because you look at the five games he played in, in 2019. They weren't against very good competition. Okay, I mean, it was it was Duke, it was Navy, it was Boston College, it was Stanford and Iowa State. I think the best team in that group was Navy. You know, and uh, you know, and then this year he starts against Syracuse and North Carolina, and 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 I don't think played necessarily great again those games, and then against Clemson he didn't play well at all. But yeah. but I think that had more to do with him playing out of position. I agree. I think the reason I would hesitate to to, to pound the table for Josh Lug being on this list is I think the uncertainty of where he is going to play. Because I sure. think you and I would agree. You're, you made the point, Vince, for me is if he's at right tackle, then my com, then my conversation about Josh Lugg is going to change. If he's a guard, I'm more hesitant to I need to see it. Sure. You know, because like you said, even though I think he can play guard. He hasn't played guard to the level that he played tackle in 2019, and, and that's that's the that's the discussion that that we need to have. I will say this: if this breakdown was about who needs to step up and have huh, a big year, that's a different. He's in that conversation. Absolutely. They need Josh Love yes. to step up and solidify a position, whether it's right guard, right, right tackle. They need him to step up and say, and not start because he's a veteran, but start because. Wow, he had a great spring and a great fall camp, and we're ready for him to kind of step in and be that next guy. He needs to show to do that because if he can do that with Zeke in the middle, with Lee, with uh, I was gonna say Liam Eikenberg, I wish, oh uh, yeah, uh, man. with Jarrett Patterson at left tackle. Now you start feeling really good about okay, this line's got a chance to do something, but that's only if Josh Lug grabs hold of a starting job and isn't starting because. He's just the most experienced player, and the other guys aren't ready. Right. So I think he, he'd he be near the top of the who has to break out or who has to step up this offseason. Now let's go to the fourth one. Now your fourth guy, Vince, was my number one breakout player. Okay, interesting. So, but, okay. But, and so when you and I had this conversation before we got going when we went over your list, uh, it, it's definitely – so let's just dive into it. Let's talk okay. about who your fourth – because you, you needed to kind of be – you had to talk yourself into even having him <laughs> on the list, period. I did. Which I did. kind right. of interesting. So uh, I thought he was just going to be your number one. So anyway, your number four breakout player for Notre Dame in 2021 on offense is? Well, this guy, he
1: kind of falls into that category of rotational guy who, again, this has a lot to do with the philosophy. This has a lot to do with the staff. It, it has a lot to do with how they're going to use this particular player because – I think he can go from a rotational guy to a friggin' amazing standout guy if used Mm -hmm. properly, and that's Chris Tyree uh, Mm -hmm. as a running back. And I – look, you can have – and we've talked about this a million times. You can have both Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree on the field at the same time, and there is no reason that you shouldn't do that, okay?
2: Well, only North Carolina (laughs) apparently is good enough to have 2,000-yard running backs. Notre Dame has to use their number two running back to give breathers. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just saying it's different philosophy.
1: We've, we've seen the explosiveness out of Chris Tyree and Mm -hmm. we've seen what happens when you give him the ball. Good things happen when Chris Tyree touches the ball. So you need to get him involved in the pass game. You need to get him involved in the run game. You need to keep him involved in the kick return game. I would even potentially make him my punt returner to be perfectly honest with you, but that's, I want him on the field as much as possible. That mm-hmm. that's me as an offensive coach. Okay. I want this guy touching the ball because his zero to 60 is quicker than anybody else on the field. And that's who I want returning kicks. Now, I also want him more involved in the offense. And I think if he is used in a manner of which you, you have both the running backs on the field or you're giving Tyree actual, you know, series. Uh, you split the reps. It doesn't necessarily have to be even, but 60-40 would be great mm-hmm. because I still think he could be that breakout guy. Mm-hmm. Look, if you give him ten to fifteen touches a game, you're going to see some amazing stuff happen. Yeah. Period. End of discussion. So I will they do that? I don't know, and that's probably why I was hesitant to put him as my number one. But I think he has the potential to. You were hesitant to put him on the
2: list. list period. I know. And and, and and so what you're saying is, however, and this is what we did not get to off the air is. Your hesitation has nothing to do with Chris Tyree, then. Zero. It's just whether or not they're going to be too stubborn to say, hey, because it's almost as if like Brian Kelly feels like playing Chris Tyree is like some sort of insult to Kyrie Williams. Right. And it's not. I mean, you know, and here's the unique thing about Chris Tyree. Here's why he was number one on my list. Number one is I don't think this staff is stupid. And I think they look at, I think Brian Kelly gets into these stubborn things during the season. But I think in the offseason, there's a little bit more open mindedness of, okay, how moving forward can we get this guy involved? I, I think there will be that. And we've seen Brian Kelly better utilize two backs in the past. I mean, you look at 2011. I mean, if, if Jonas Gray doesn't get hurt against BC, there's a chance Notre Dame has 2,000 yard running backs in 2011. I mean, he was that was a dynamic duo. Now it took a while for them to start using Jonas Gray more. But when they did, it was impactful. 2012, the way that they used Theo Riddick and Sear Wood together was was impactful. So we've seen that dynamic one-two punch before. Sure. It hasn't been used as much recently. And, and people said, Well, what about 2015? Well, Josh Adams hardly ever played, except in mop-up duty or as a breather to CJ ProSize until CJ ProS ProSize got hurt. Right. Over half of Josh Adams' yards came after ProSize got hurt. And so We just haven't seen them utilize that tandem as effectively as I think they need to. And to me, you can get Chris Tyree more touches without having to take away touches from Kyron Williams. I mean, to me, it's like you should give Kyron Williams 18 to 20 touches a game, which is about what he was this year, and get Chris Tyree 8 to 12 touches a game. I mean – Minimum. And I'm talking offensive touches, right? Not, not, you know, touches, right. Those are nice, but it's that's not what I'm talking about. And to me, there's things you can do with them together. To your point, you know, you, you you're telling me you couldn't do some things where, number one, you talk about the pass game. But I also think you have some run game stuff you can do. Kyron Williams is a tough, physical dude. You don't think he's going to lead block and blow you, somebody up or cut somebody in in some of those concepts like we see Oklahoma using with two backs a lot, Brian? How long have we been waiting for split backs from Notre Dame?
1: Yeah, yeah. Been, I mean, we've it, been teased right. with it. Now there's been injuries and there's been some things. Right.
2: We've been teased with split right. backs for so and it, long. And it doesn't you know? have to be like your your base offense, but it's if you if right. you're not coming out in a series and just throwing that at a team because you can. What you can do with those two guys is they're both good pass catchers. But Kyron Williams is more of a. He has a receiver background. I mean, he played receivers long, if not longer, in high school than he played running back. He can run routes. Right. He showed that this year. You know, so you can technically be an 11 personnel with your two backs in the game. And then you could do some things where you put Chris Tyree outside. You know, you, you, you go to a two tight end set with two backs. Think about this. You've got you could you could go empty just as effectively as you can go with a power look. With that, I mean, with that, with that personnel, yeah, right, right. So you take your, let's just say you go two tight ends and two backs, and then you've got one receiver, and it's either Kevin Austin or let's say it's Braden Lindsey or Avery Davis, right? A dynamic after the catch guy. So then you all of a sudden line up, and you've got and you line up on one snap, and you have two tight ends split back and receiver, and you can have Kyron Williams as sort of a lead blocker on like a power play, like an outside zone or something like that. But then on the next play, you line up, and you have your two tight ends split out. And you have Chris Tyree and Brayden Lindsay stacked behind those tight ends. And now you're running uh ding, 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 and RPO where you're essentially running inside zone. And if those backers want to fold in, then you're pulling it and you're throwing outside. And you've got Michael Mayer or, or Kevin Bauman or George Tackett, whoever else, lead blocking on a perimeter screen with leverage to either Brayden Lindsay or Chris Tyree. Or you could reverse it. You could have you could have Chris Tyree as the running back and have Kyron Williams as the receiver. You, the next play you could come out with a tight end on one side with a, with a, your Z. You could have you know Kyron Williams lined up a, as your receiver, you know, in the slot. Or you could. You, there's so many different things that you can do with those two guys because yep. of the versatility that Kyron Williams brings to the table. I think Chris Tyree as a pass catcher is more of a running back pass catcher. He's more of a traditional running back. You can line them up outside and, and do some things with them, but you ideally you don't want him necessarily running a bunch of routes over the middle. That's where Kyron comes in. It's screens, it's angles, sure. it's wheels, it's those kind of concepts. He can be very good at it. and then you can put Kyron in the mix, and we've seen him do it in practice. We saw it do him in games this year You know, against BC. He was lining up over the middle, running in cuts, getting open. Because right. now you as a defense, you have to say, well, how do you defend that? You know, right. So Notre Dame goes two tights and two backs. Do you want to put your big personnel on the field? You wanna put your, an extra linebacker on the field or an extra safety on the field and now Notre Dame can split out wide and and throw their quick game or throw their screen game at you? Or do you want to stay with your normal nickel personnel or or four, two, five look, or three, three, five, depending on who you're playing? And now they can just run it at you. So it just gives them so many different looks. So uh, well, how about it, there's no reason they shouldn't be yeah, on no, the field more next year?
1: Completely agree. And how about the one snap we saw? of Wildcat this year uh, with Kyron Williams. Look, you don't run that one time and then never right. again without ha- – like th- it's in their playbook, so you right. know that there's a package, right? So if you're comfortable enough putting Kyron Williams back there as your Wildcat quarterback and you put Chris Tyree in the backfield with him, mm-hmm. that's a dynamic package. Again, yeah. not something that you want to use as your base
2: offense. Just that's one a- of those things to get people thinking about. Like, yeah, oh, we man. have to have a plan for this, you yes. know, and, and – it's just and that's the exciting thing about this twenty twenty one offense is I start thinking about some of the things that, that Brian Kelly and Tommy Reese should do or may do or can do or or however you want to spin it. So, right. Well, there's a lot of weapons to work with. You know, we're talking about breakout players and we're not we're not really diving into Kevin Austin or Brayden Lindsay or, you know, and I think Avery Davis is a guy that could be in this conversation as a, a veteran starter that did a good job this year that if used correctly could could put up big numbers next year if if they go to more of a tempo or they go to more rpos avery davis becomes a a key part of your offense you know that can do some different things be more creative with him and you want to go with a wildcat how about this one how about you come out one series just to mess with people and your quarterback is avery davis yeah, because you know, he used to be a position, quarterback. You recruited him to play at <laughs> Notre Dame, you know, to where now. I mean, you're not going to throw it a bunch, but like, you, hey, you, you got to respect it because he can step back and throw a bomb. You yeah. know what I mean? And so, yeah. why not have some fun with people? I mean, Clemson I does would. that. Ohio I State would. does that. All types of teams do that. It's it's just it's fun. Number one, it's fun for your players. Number two, it gives the, if if you hit it, it gives that defense something to think about. Absolutely. You know, yeah, no and question. so there's a lot of fun that they can have, and there's a lot of potential breakout players on this offense. I mean, we could go Xavier Watts, Jordan Johnson, Braden sure. Lindsay, Kevin Austin, uh, are all guys. Avery Davis are all guys to look at. Chris Tyree, offensive line wise, you know Dylan Gibbons, John Dirt. I mean, so there's George Tackis at tight end George is Tack a guy is that, that I'm really looking forward to see what he can do this year. And if he doesn't step up, then hey, you know what? Then add Kevin Bauman to the list of potential breakout. So. That's why I'm kind of excited about this offense. If Brian Kelly and Tommy Reese push the right buttons and yes. go away from what they this ball control stuff that just means you're going to beat everybody that on your team that's on your schedule that stinks, but you're not going to beat the better teams. Yeah. This, this offense could be exciting. I agree. It could be very exciting. There's the pieces in place uh, for this to be a very good group. And, but, but like you said, Vince, the whole let's, let's circle it back to the very beginning. That mm-hmm. depends on guys breaking out that depends on guys seizing hold of jobs guys seizing hold of opportunities guys saying hey it's my time now and yep. and I'm going to force you to play me and and that's the exciting thing about you know what I would love to see from Jordan Johnson Xavier Watts Chris Tyree guys like that that say hey I'm going to be so good every day that that you're not going to have a choice but to figure out what to do with me and uh, offense, and, yeah. and that's what I'm looking for. And, and that's, but that's what they need. You know, they need that to happen. So that is our breakouts for the Notre Dame offense in 2021. Tomorrow, we are going to have a breakout on defense. And this is going to be an interesting conversation because it they're losing some very good football players from that Notre Dame defense. And then there's the uncertainty of what's the defense going to look like. So I'll share some of what I'm hearing about what the defense will look like and whether or not uh we're what we're gonna see from a look standpoint from Marcus Freeman and those kind of things. So we'll have a lot to talk about there. And we got a very busy week ahead of us at IrishBreakdown.com. Obviously, signing day is Wednesday. We will have plenty of analysis on uh, our our podcast channel, which you need to subscribe to, our YouTube channel, which we would love it if you would subscribe to, and then of course at IrishBreakdown.com, all types of different content breaking down the 2021 class. After signing day, we're going to dive headfirst into the 2022 class. We're going to talk about the need for the class. We're going to talk about the must gets in the class. They're already off to a solid start. They recently got a big time D end. Uh, Marcus Freeman is really getting after on the recruiting trail. So we're going to talk about a lot of that. So, tons of stuff coming up, folks. So make sure you're locked in to our podcast, Irish Breakdown Podcast, our YouTube channel at our Irish Breakdown YouTube channel. And of course, as always, Irishbreakdown.com. so for vince daddario i'm brian driscoll i hope you all have a great start to your week and you stay locked in with us all week as we continue to pump out content breaking down the notre dame football team notre dame recruiting and vince this week you're also going to have a Irish crossover where we're going to talk about notre dame men's hoops that's right my boy yep looking forward to that very much so uh thanks for joining us and we will talk to you again very soon.